Thank you. Thank you so much. Can we open our Bibles to Romans chapter 1? And this morning we're going to look at the aspect of relationships and, and dealing with the emotions that are often stirred up in relationships. God is a God of relationship. When we are praying, we say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know, God wasn't sitting in isolation when he was in eternity past all by himself. No, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had a complete and wonderful relationship together. That is why God is sufficient in himself. He didn't have to make us. He didn't need a partner. He was all sufficient. But he decided to make us, to make us in his image. And one thing that all of us have a need of is a need for a relationship. For and foremost is a relationship with the one who made us, the one who created us in his image. And isn't it interesting that when we talk about relationships and we talk about love, no one ever tells people how to fall in love. You know, if you've ever fallen in love before, you know that you didn't read it from a book. I mean, you didn't read a book one day and say, oh, yes, I'm going to fall in love now. You know, it's... It's something that just happens. And even as I was looking through the scripture, the Bible was saying, husbands, love your wives. He doesn't tell them how to do it because it's built into us. And in fact, if you were to go and look at any of the manuals that talk about relationships or that talk about um, how to, you know, develop a good relationship either in your workplace or with your, your colleagues, and especially people that are very close to you, they're always telling us how to keep what we have. Very rarely will you see a book teaching you how to fall in love because that's something that we know computers are very strong, but you know that two computers cannot fall in love. It's beyond them. You can get computers that can drive. You can get computers that can write. You can get computers that can fly planes, all those things. But for two computers to fall in love, they can't because there's something which is outside the physical for two individuals to fall in love. It starts to touch on the, the nature of God that we have within us. Romans chapter 1, you might find what has Romans chapter 1 got to do with this? What it's got to do with living, it's got to do with life. And I read here from verse 16, and I'm here reading from the ESV version. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the just, the righteous shall live by faith. Other versions say the just shall live by faith. Verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, if you take a closer look at this scripture, you find that it's talking about the two main things that make life. The first part is talking about 
the power of God, the power of the gospel, the righteousness of God revealed to us, that is the love of God. The gospel is the love of God coming to us. The gospel is God telling you, you are precious to me, and I care so much for you that I came to earth to be where you are. And that's what makes God righteous. Because he puts us in the right place. And then on the second hand, it says, but the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, against all unrighteousness. Well, let me use two words. The love of God is what draws us to himself. The love of God is what we use to have peace on the world, in the world. When people are living in harmony, everything is fine. But when there is anger and there is hatred, then we have war. And we know at the moment there are some parts of the world which looks like, you know, there's war is threatening and we're praying fervently that that will not happen. But for one nation to go to war against another one, we all know that, you know, people are going to die. And yet, knowing those consequences, we still go ahead into it. So then what is driving that? And that's the anger. May God deliver us from anger in Jesus' name. The Bible talks a lot about God loved the world. But it also talks and tells us how to keep what God has given us. And if you wanted to give this a topic, that's how it could be. How you can keep the precious thing that God has given to you. The most precious thing that God has given to you is his love. He loves you. And there's all kinds of things that the enemy will throw at us to make us think otherwise, that God doesn't love us, that God doesn't care. And when it comes into relationships, whether it's between brothers and sisters or between parents and children or between husbands and wives, the one thing that the enemy will often use to try and disrupt us is disharmony in the, in the, in the home, is, you know, hurts, is... And, and these things are all anger. Now, I'm going to speak about anger a lot, but I want to qualify it. Anger, as we'll see from the scripture, is not always bad. You know, just here we've read about the wrath of God or the anger of God. God was angry about sin, and so he did something about it. The Bible says, be angry and see not. There are times when parents will be angry at the way that their children are going, and so they will, they will make the time to spend time with that child and to make sure that they do their studies. And that anger, when it is controlled, it gives them the strength and the power to, to do the right thing. And that's why in the scripture you even find the Bible talking about the anger of God or the wrath of God. It's not one that comes to destroy, it's one that comes to build up. And sometimes when we are hurt, we, we rightly have anger because something has gone wrong. But do you know that you can use your anger in a good way, especially if you don't allow it to control you? Anger is an emotion that God has made. When not controlled, anger controls us. But when controlled, it can be a tool used for good. Matthew chapter 5, let's take a look at that. Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to go through a few scriptures this morning so that to make sure that things come across clearly. And here's Jesus is talking about this very same topic. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, 
you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to hell or fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to the court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. And what's Jesus saying here? If you have something against your brother, if there is anger, make sure you settle that in your heart before you go further in the things of God. Basically what Jesus is saying here, and we're going to see this repeated again and again and again, is let's not allow that which the enemy wants to destroy us. Let us not allow it to linger in our hearts. Often we sometimes feel guilty or maybe we even make other people feel guilty when they get angry. But angry, in its pure sense, is a sign that something is wrong. And so in that sense, it's not bad. I know I'm not going to read all There's many scriptures in the Old Testament where it talks about Lord God himself being angry, being angry with sin. There's a time when he looked at the scene that was on the earth and God, God was angry with mankind. He wanted to wipe them out. Because anger shows us that there is something that is not right and it has to be addressed. And so when, if you're in a marriage relationship and someone comes up to you and says, I'm angry about this, rather than you get angry too, why don't you pay attention to what is it that is hurting that I can address it? Because anger is just like when we get a headache. A headache is telling us, is our body telling us something's wrong. Maybe you've been looking at a, a screen too much. Maybe you spent too much time in, on YouTube and your body's trying to tell you, I need a rest. Maybe you haven't drank enough water. You know, many times we get a headache and what do we do? We quickly run and go and use Panadol or whatever painkiller it is. And thank God for those painkillers that God has given us the wisdom to make. But sometimes it's better to actually take a step back and say, what is causing this? If it's because I'm using too much time in the screen or I'm eating something that is not, you know, that I shouldn't be, then I need to step back from that. So in other words, you use that pain in a positive way to address what is causing the hurt and address that hurt? And it's the same thing with anger. When it initially comes, maybe it's between two people that like each other, are in love with each other, and one of them is angry, the first thing should be, what have I done to make you angry? Look for where the pain is and try to address that. And then, as Jesus said, don't carry the anger with you. Don't, you know, continue to hold it along. Because if you deal with it, with the, the signs that it brings, it brings harmony into the home. Let's go on to another scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. 
And here is I'm trying to emphasize that anger is a legitimate emotion. It's one that God has given to us. But it's when we allow it to control us is where the problem comes. When nations are angry with each other and they start to talk, what tends to happen is that the, the, the leaders come around and they try to say, okay, so what is causing the problem? Can we find a solution? And really that is where God would like us to always find our solution rather than go and start fighting with each other. Ephesians chapter 4 here where Paul is writing, he says, therefore, I'm reading from verse 25, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now listen to this, this is exactly what I'm saying, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. That's the scripture saying it. Be angry, but don't sin. You know, often there can be problems at work or even at home because one person gets angry and then the other people are angry that she's angry. <laughs> you get a point? They're angry that she's angry. And then now you've got two angry people. Where else? Anger itself is somebody hurting. There's something gone wrong. Now, of course, it can get out of control because the Bible says, be angry and see not, give no opportunity to the devil. So if you now allow anger, which should really be a warning sign. If you allow anger, which should be a warning sign to become a weapon, now that's where you allow the enemy to come in. But for all of us, we also need to understand that when someone comes to you and they're angry, it's not, don't take it as something personal. In some ways, take it as a compliment that they are even bothered enough to let you know that something's wrong. There's a hurt going on. How can I help you with that? Just that different way of looking at it will solve a lot of problems that often go on. You know, I've heard so many commentaries try to explain away this thing, saying when Jesus said, when the Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. Or it doesn't really mean that you can be angry. Yes, it does mean that you can be angry. Anger is an emotion. What it's saying is that be angry, but don't sin. Anger becomes sin when we change it from a warning sign to a weapon. Anger becomes a weapon when we allow it to control us rather than we control it. You know, if you've got an alarm in your house and, you know, if your house is alarmed and someone tries to come in through the window, the alarm goes off. Now, that is a warning sign. It might be a loud noise. It might be uncomfortable. But you know that that sound has gone off for a good reason. It's alerting you to something. And that's exactly what anger is supposed to be. Now, if after the, the, the alarm has gone off and then, you know, you, you know, go and, I don't know, take a weapon and start trying to kill somebody now you you know you've gone past what the alarm should be doing but if at the time that the alarm goes off you know you are alert that you're aware that someone is in the house and you call the police or whatever and hopefully the person will run away then that alarm has done its job if anger is seen as something which alerts us to something that is going wrong and then rather than address the person who has the anger you address the thing that is causing the hurts that's where we will get to get to the solutions and bring harmony into our home. 
so that the next time someone comes to you, it might be even at work, and the person is very angry, rather than you get angry, try and address what the problem was. I remember many years ago, I was working somewhere, and this person came in, and he, he left a document on the table. And I went up to the table, he, he just left it there, he walked out, and I walked in, and I saw the document, I looked at it, I saw it wasn't mine, and I just walked away. Now, he thought that I had opened up his document. And he was furious. Now, I don't know what was in it, but it was obviously something very sensitive. And he was a big bloke. And then he just came up to me and he said, why were you looking at my document? And I hadn't looked at his document. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't look at your document. And he walked away. Later on, he went to go and tell a friend of mine that, you know what the Bible says about a soft word turns around anger? He said, it's very true. So when I went up to him and I said, why were you looking at my document? I thought he was going to start arguing with me and I was ready to slap him. And he was a big bloke. I said, the moment he just said, oh, sorry, I wasn't looking at it, that my anger just evaporated. Now, luckily for me, I wasn't being so spiritual then, but luckily for me, because I was so sincere, I hadn't looked at his document. When he came, I could see he was angry but I was addressing his anger. I wasn't addressing him. If I had addressed him, we would have probably got into a fight. Or rather, he would have probably beaten me up. <laughs> but because it was clear that I was addressing his anger, it diffused the situation. So when the Bible says, be angry, but do not sin, and then it goes and says, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. And I remember that person, after he had gone off, later on he came back again and he said, are you sure you aren't looking at my document? And at that time, my reaction started to change because I'm thinking, I've already apologized to you. What was in your document? <laughs> but I didn't say that then. But fortunately, his anger had gone down quite a bit. So. But the point here is that he, it was still lingering. He was still carrying it on. And if he had allowed that to linger, it could result into something else again. So there's two things we have to learn here. For the person who is being confronted with anger, you address the hurts that that person is bringing to you. And for the person who has got the anger, you don't necessarily have to feel so guilty because you're angry, because there's something hurting and that's why you're angry, and that's good. And maybe sometimes when we understand that, you know that, okay, I was hurting, and that's why I did this. Now the person has addressed it. I need now to put down that hurt. And that's what the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Because when we hold on to it, that's when it becomes something else. It becomes a weapon. And God doesn't want us to have weapons. Now, there's other things I hear that the Bible talks about anger, which initially we might find puzzling. And that's why I read that first scripture, which said, the righteous shall live by faith, or the just shall live by faith. We've got a sign out in front of our church there, a big sign that says, have faith in God. That is the very core of our Christian walk. You are a Christian today because you put your faith in God. You believe that Jesus died for you. You believe that God loves you. You embrace that and you came into a living relationship with God. You believed and it, uh, it allowed God to make you born again of your spirit. You became alert to the things of God. It's something that is hard to explain with words. You have to experience it. If you're a Christian who has experienced the love of God, you know what I'm talking about. 
because you know that God loves you. Why? That was a step of faith. Now, the same faith that we used to receive salvation is the same faith that the Bible is telling us to use to put aside anger. Listen to this, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and I'm reading from verse 8 here. It says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. The Bible just says, put them away. Now, I know there's some people here thinking, you don't know, when I get angry, I can't put it away. You know, I, I shout and I scream. What does it mean, put them away? And then again, Ephesians says the same thing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. When it comes to anger, the Bible is simply saying, put it away. The scriptures, the, the, the way the Bible views anger is very different from how the world does, looks at it. Now, I know that this is very different for some people out there that are extremely hurt and they're so full of anger and, um, and bitterness. That's a slightly different thing. But I'm talking about the, the, the person who, you know, is listening to me right now, the person who, who knows that God loves them, the person who has put their faith in Christ and they've received his love. The Bible is saying of us that just as you put your faith in Christ and you receive the love of God, you can also put your faith in Christ and put down that anger. You can say, Lord, I'm not taking this anger anymore. I am putting it down. And that's what the Bible says. And I know it is an act of faith. It is almost a spiritual thing. Just as I said, two computers cannot fall in love because they don't have the, 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 the makeup for that. They, they were not even built. They, they don't even know what it means. There's not a spiritual side to them. There's not an emotional side to them. But to us as human beings, there is a spiritual side to us. And when God says that we can put something aside, it means we can put it aside. We can say, Lord, your word says I should put this aside, and I can. The Bible says, put away anger. Now, I hope I've made that clear. Getting angry is not wrong. The Bible says, be angry and see not. And sometimes there are things that people do to you either knowingly or unknowingly, and, they, and it makes you angry, and you've got a good reason to be angry. So you shouldn't go about condemning yourself because you got angry. When you get angry, most of the time you want to do something about it, and you do the right thing about it. So the person that comes to you that is angry, don't take it personal. Try to see what is hurting them and try to address it. And for the person that is angry, what does the Bible say? After you've dealt with it, put it aside. Don't allow it to become a weapon. Proverbs is quite interesting in this regards, and it must be mentioned to make to complete a full picture here. In Proverbs 29, 22, it says, A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes aggression. You know, there are some people that they're just, because of the things that they've gone through in life, they are full of anger. And if you are close to a person like that, beware that it doesn't rub, up on, rub off on you. Now, if you are in a situation where you can't get away from the person, maybe you're working very close to a person who is very angry, 
It doesn't matter what you do, they're never happy about it. You should at least be aware that you are dealing with somebody who is very angry. And you make a commitment in your heart and a prayer to God to say, God, I am not going to take on this anger. That's very important. Because if not, anger can be infectious. You know, you're around people that are angry and they just make you angry too. You're around people that are always gossiping and before you know it, you've joined in in the gossiping also. So the only way you can guard yourself against that is you have to be aware of that. This person is a gossip and yes, I have to work with him, I have to work with her, so I need to be careful of that. Don't allow other people's companies to affect you. So come and put in succinct order some of the things I've mentioned about anger and looking at this in the light of the scripture. The first one is when it comes to you are the person who the anger is being addressed at. Proverbs 51 says, a soft, soft words turn away anger. Now, we all know that that is not always guaranteed, okay? Sometimes people are very, very angry and you say a soft word to them and it, it doesn't, you know, turn anything around. Maybe you've been in that situation too. And, you, you know, you're so angry and they say a soft word and it doesn't turn it around. But many times it does work. A soft word. But if we want to get to the core of what the scripture is saying, is that when somebody comes to you with anger, don't take it personal. Don't condemn the person. Try and find out what is causing this person to hurt. Because it is a sign. And that's what can help us in that regards. Now, I'm fully aware that if you are, you know, if you are, I know some people work in situations where you're working with people that because of other medical conditions, you know, they're always angry, they're always angry. That's slightly different. You've probably been trained how to deal with that professionally. But for the normal person that you, will, that you will come in contact with, when they come with you and they are angry, it's because they are hurting. And if you see that as the response, you will be in a better position to help them without you getting angry yourself. Because the moment you get angry, you have started a war. It takes two angry people to start a war. And that is why a soft answer turns it away. Number two, ponder the consequences. Now, remember in the case of Cain, that was the first case we had of anger here. When he took a sacrifice to God, Cain and Abel, and his sacrifice was not accepted. And he was angry. And God came to him and he said, sin is lurking at your door. And God said there exactly what Ephesians said here. He said, but you must rule over it. Don't allow it to, to destroy you. Ponder the consequences. Cain didn't take that on board. And we all know what went on to happen later on. He killed his own brother. God has given us a will. And that will is part of the image of God that we have. You can control your anger. And when God says to Cain, sin is looking at your door, don't let it take you. Or when Ephesians says, put aside anger, it means it. God did not go and tell Cain to do something that he, couldn't have, that he could not do. No, he could have. But he decided not to. And the consequences were tremendous. And if we beforehand ponder what the consequences are of uncontrolled anger, and let's face it, again, this is not bringing condemnation. Not many people have it, but there are some people that get very angry like that. And that is because of we all live in a fallen world. And nobody is perfect. 
And some of the people, the problem that they might have more than others is that aspect of anger. And the Bible is saying to them, just like you came to me and you said, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You can come to me and you say, Lord, I want to put down this anger. I want to activate the will that you have given to me. So that the next time anger comes and I feel like throwing that cop through the window, I'm not going to do it. Or the next time that anger comes and I feel like, you know, whatever it is you do when you get angry, you say, I'm not going to do that. You've made up your mind before it comes along. Number three. You know, there's, there's a saying out there saying, who is living in your head rent-free? You heard that? Who's living in your head rent-free? And it's quite a, um, it, it has now come to represent the fact that there are certain thoughts that can come into our mind and continue to bother us. And let me actually use the illustration of rent. You know, if you are renting out property, Generally, when people rent out property, they do it to make a bit of profit. So, you know, you give somebody a room in your house and you ask them to pay you some money. Now, imagine if you are giving somebody a room in your house and they're not paying you any money, but they're using all the bills. What's going to happen? You are now going to have to pay for that. And when we talk about someone living in your house rent-free, it means you have a thought, you have an attitude, you have a habit that is bringing you no benefit at all. And if we could see anger like that, anger when it's not controlled, I hope I've made it very clear that for many of us that have felt guilty by anger, we shouldn't because the Bible says be angry and see not. You were genuinely hurting and that was a genuine step to take. And sometimes just even having an understanding of that will help us to deal with controlling the emotion of anger when it sometimes gets out of hand. Don't allow anything to live in your mind rent-free because if you do, you will pay the price. And once you allow that to sink into you, it will help you to activate the God-given will that he has given to you. Finally, let me end with some words on communication because often communication is where Anger can sometimes come up, especially when we don't communicate in the right way. You know, you, maybe you're the boss at work and you're under a bit of pressure. You just go up to your work colleague and say, you will do all of this today and I want it by four o'clock. And you just walk out. Remember that you're talking to a human being. Just because you're the boss doesn't mean you can say that. Yes, they can't do much because they want to get their pay at the end of the month. So they've got to do it. But remember that you are talking to a human being, so be careful in how you communicate. Now, we've always thought that in terms of we have to be conscious of how we are communicating because our words and our actions are very powerful. It's the same thing even when we are talking to children. You know, I, I, I have heard children say, and they say, my mother doesn't like me. And I say, oh, of course they do. They're like, no, no, she doesn't like me. And they're absolutely convinced that their mother doesn't like them, even though they've taken care of them and they've given them food and all of that. But they, now generally, as they grow up after a while, they tend to realize that mommy does like me. But when they were a bit younger, because they were seeing all the body language, you will do your homework today and you're not going out. Like, oh my God. And as they look out of the window, they see all their friends playing and they say, why can't I have a mother like that? Often little children. I'm sure some of you men have had that. A little boy comes up to you and says, I wish my dad was like you. 
And you know exactly what they're saying. You know exactly what they mean. Because you're playing with them and the dad's giving them all the discipline. They're thinking... But it's important that when we communicate, we are also conscious of the feelings of the other person. And remember that words... You might think one word means something, but words are interpreted by the person who is hearing it. So, for example, if you went up to um, a, an important person in, in, in Europe and you say, oh, hi, guys, I, I really like what you guys are doing, they'll probably take it as a compliment. If you went into Africa and you went up to maybe a chief and you say, oh, hi, guys, I really like what you guys are doing. It's an insult. Exactly the same words. And you can be as sincere as you like, but you've just insulted them. And so that is why the words and the language we use are very important. And of course, sometimes we might use the wrong word, you know, unconsciously, and then the other person gets angry. But if you are aware of that, you can still remedy the situation. Oh, I'm so sorry, Chief. I didn't really want to call you guy. <laughs> so words, and even within the same culture, words are very, can be misinterpreted. So when we are communicating, be very careful with the words that you are using. Also, be honest in what you're saying. You know, just say, when, when people are speaking and they're honest, most hearers can pick that up. You know, they will know that they're sincere. I remember one time I was working somewhere too in an office and someone was leaving and I said, oh, I really hope that you have a good time and that, you know, when you leave you, you, you get a better job. And someone who was hearing me said, oh, Dele is saying is, you know, wishing you goodbye. And I think he actually means it. <laughs> And that is because there were a lot of people in that office that didn't like the person who was leaving. And when they say, yeah, we hope you have a good future, they're thinking, we hope you never get a job again. <laughs> and, and, and it came across, Dean, you know, when, when people are being honest. So when you're talking to people, try and be honest. When you are sincere with people, other people can pick it up. Most of us can. You know, most of us, if somebody who is very dubious comes up to you and starts talking, you generally get a sense that something's not right here. Now, you might ignore the signs, and there are some people that are much quicker than others in picking up those warning signs. Some of us are sometimes a bit slow. But generally, you, you will pick it up when someone is not sincere with you. And so if you are communicating to someone, be sincere. You know, if you really want a pay rise, don't start saying you want a bigger table, you know. You know, what you really want is you want a pay rise. My desk is too small. Everybody's got a big desk. I'm using those humorous um, ones, but we all know what we mean. And then also, stay current. And what I mean by that is that when you are dealing with a situation, deal with that situation. It's not going to help if you say, oh, I am, this, this is where I'm hurting, and, and then, you know, you go through a whole history of, everything else that the person has done wrong in the past 20 decades. You know, it's not going to help. So let's try and stay current. This is what the situation is doing me now, and you speak into that situation at that particular time. Attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not the person. 
And I, I think that should be pretty straightforward. You know, this is where I am hurting. And when someone comes to you and they are angry, try and find out what is making them hurt. Don't get angry yourself. And we've all been guilty of that. And that just makes the things erupt even more. Isn't it wonderful that the Bible says, be angry and see not. Anger is an emotion that we all have. We don't have to be guilty about it, but we have to use it in its godly manner. We have to use it as a warning sign to let us know that something is wrong. You are made in the image of God. And even God himself gets angry, but he doesn't sin with his anger, and nor should you. Shall we pray?